2: Betches Media Presents.
1: I
0: really want to lose three pounds. Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio.
2: Diet starts tomorrow.
0: Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. I wanna quit With the gym. gym. Happy people just don't shoot their husband. With hosts Aileen Cooperman, Joey doesn't share for and Sammy Fishbein. Whatever. I'm getting cheese fries.
3: Hello, welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Aileen. I'm Sammy. We're in quarantine still, by the way, and today we are joined by Elizabeth Earnshaw. Liz, she's a licensed marriage and family therapist and clinical director of A Better Life Therapy. Her Instagram, at LizListens, has over 150,000 followers, and it's where you can go to find her pieces of advice, and we just want to welcome you to the podcast, Liz. Thank you
1: so much for having me. I'm excited to be on.
3: Yeah.
4: Thanks for coming.
3: Thank you. So much to
4: talk about in quarantine times.
3: These last few weeks we've been doing podcasts uh, about uh, podcast episodes about how we are kind of anxious and we're like, why don't we just get a therapist in here (laughs) Um, to help, you know, because we have so many messages to our Instagram, to our email about people feeling anxiety, people feeling grief, runs the gamut with emotions. um, And we had a lot of uh, submissions for questions so um yeah thank you again for coming i think this is going to be great
1: yeah i'm looking forward to answering the questions i know a lot of people are thinking a lot about mental health right now
4: yeah definitely so i think the i think kind of like the number one emotion that people are experiencing is just intense anxiety about the future um we don't know And, you know, there's no one to really tell us um, when this might end, when we might be able to leave our homes um, safely, or even if when we do leave our homes, um, you know, what the world will be like. Will there be different restrictions? Um, Maybe people have sort of developed like kind of new issues throughout this. So how do you, just to start, like how do you, how do you... um, combat anxiety and just the general feeling of overwhelm about the magnitude of this situation?
1: Yeah, I think that's such an important question and it's pretty challenging because in a, in one sense, our anxiety is acting appropriately right now, right? Like this is one of the reasons we have anxiety is to protect us and to make sure that it keeps us safe in evolutionary terms. So some of the anxiety is... Helpful in terms of making people stay inside and practice good hygiene, and um, you know, make sure that they're prepared in, you know, in an appropriate way. We don't need to buy a million pounds of toilet paper, but making sure that we're like ready and we're prepared. But then sometimes, obviously, that anxiety gets in the way of healthy day-to-day functioning, and that's when it can become problematic. And It's challenging because of the fact that a lot of the times it makes sense, right? Like there is a fear that you're going to get sick and that fear isn't completely out of the blue. There's people talking about it. There's the possibility that you could get sick. So wanting to manage that anxiety means being able to like step back and really number one, and this is some CBT stuff, right? Is question your thoughts. So asking yourself, how realistic are these thoughts that I'm having? You know, have I been out of the house? Have I been running around touching things and putting my hands on my face? Have I been in contact with somebody that is sick? Um, But you might find that the thoughts aren't nearly as realistic as how heightened your anxiety is. So being able to work through that and give yourself some truths that help you to manage that a little bit. So you might think something like, well, I haven't really been out of the house and I've been practicing good hygiene and I'm, you know, not interacting with people that likely have the virus. So really being able to question your thoughts is is the first helpful thing. And then I'm not sure if the two of you practice it, but making sure that you're practicing mindfulness is super important. So just noticing where you are in the
4: moment. Right. What if someone's anxiety is not necessarily about like getting sick or something that is outrageous? Um, like for for example, if you're really anxious about maybe losing your job or if you're anxious about maybe your parents, maybe your parents aren't being as careful as they should be and they're older, they have preexisting conditions and maybe what you're actually anxious about is not like is valid or just really not that far fetched. How do you then deal with a situation like that?
1: Yeah, and that's why this time is challenging because a lot of people's anxieties are realistic. There is a lot of fear right now about what's going to happen to jobs and what's going to happen to family members that might have compromised immune systems or be older. Um, And so in those cases, it is, number one, offering yourself compassion. So if you know about Krista Neff and her three areas of self-compassion, it's being able to say to yourself, you know, I am suffering right now. The world is suffering right now. I am afraid of something that could really happen to me. And that is a normal human response. Other people would feel this way too. So recognizing your common humanity and that you're not the only one feeling that way and really giving yourself a lot of compassion around that is super important. And then being able to bring yourself into the moment and think about, you know, where am I right now? How can I ground myself into where I am? And what would be soothing for me in this moment? So we're not trying to convince ourselves that we're not suffering because the reality is that you are. So to, to tell yourself that you're not would be, would be unfair to you. But what you do want to do is remind yourself that you are suffering, but that in this moment, there might be things you can do that feel good. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, what what about um so you said you, there might be things that you can do to feel good. Um and I definitely want to get into like some practical tips and and habits um that you recommend Same. for people, but what about for let's say it's let's say it's not anxiety, but maybe someone has like other issues that this sort of brings up, like me like issues with food or addictions or issues with like OCD um <laughs> or maybe even like people who have maybe like agoraphobic tendencies being like much more afraid to leave the house, Um, not that they have to, but just what about like how this affects things that people had previously that were maybe a little under control but now might not be?
1: Yeah, this is triggering a lot of people. Um, It's triggering a lot of traumas and I think a lot of OCD tendencies. Um, And with that, it's really important to number one, remember, how are you taking care of yourself? So one of the biggest triggering things that can happen right now is too much exposure. So remembering that if you're exposing yourself to constant news sources, that, that is going to trigger you. That is going to bring up your natural fear response. And if in the past, when things have felt out of control or scary, the coping mechanism was to restrict food or to have compulsive tendencies, um, then those are naturally going to come up again. And so, number one, making sure that you are limiting the intake of information that is going to make you feel more overwhelmed and more out of control. The other important part of it is to really think back to what are so sometimes when we're like on our healing journey. We, we start to get in a groove, right? And it, it starts to feel like, okay, I can do this and I don't need to think about it as much. But when things come up and they shift and we start to be triggered again, it's really important to think, well, what were some of the efforts that I was taking at the beginning? What was helpful to me in the beginning? And maybe that was, um, you know, therapy. And if you don't have access to therapy right now because you've lost a job or something like that, um There are a lot of resources right now for getting it. So if you are noticing yourself getting triggered, finding that support is super important right now. Um, Going back into really good self-care, making sure that you let other people know that are safe, that you're struggling. So it's totally natural that you would start to have these, these tendencies come up again. And it's just a moment to kind of step back and say, like, what can I do to take care of myself?
3: Right. Um, speaking on that about kind of like people who kind of are struggling on their own, I think a feeling of isolation is a lot of people are feeling, let's say they, they are, they're single or they're just, they just can't be with someone right now and they're just quarantining on their own. Um, Mm. somebody wrote in, how do I tackle loneliness when, well, somebody wrote when the people around you don't really care, which is a sad, scary question. Um. But even just if you are alone, how do you tackle it?
1: Yeah, it's it's challenging for a lot of people right now because they're spending extended amounts of time by themselves. And I think in the first two or three weeks of this, the Zoom calls and all of that were kind of filling in the gap for many people. But I've been hearing from a lot of my clients and a lot of people that I'm talking to that that... Real face to face connection is starting to be something that they're just missing so much, and that the phone calls and the texts and all of that don't necessarily feel like it's filling the gap for the face to face stuff. So, of course, I can give the suggestions of make time, make social time work in the way that it can work right now. You know, have your Zoom calls, text with people, reach out to people that you know, you know, care about you, but also reach out to people that you're not sure if anybody's reaching out to them, you know, check on them too. But there also is something that I want to validate in terms of, I don't think that there are great answers right now. Um, and I think, again, this comes back to some compassion and being able to say, the reality is that I am lonely and that there's not a quick fix for that. And I miss people. And I think that we don't need to just bypass that feeling necessarily um, and say, oh, if you just fill it with all of these things, you're just not going to miss human beings anymore. We are, we are meant to be with human beings. We are social creatures. We feel safest when we're in a village. And so to be in a scary time and to not have your village accessible to you in real physical terms, that is scary. That is sad. That is lonely. Um, and I, I think it's really unprecedented for many people um, I think that there are people that have had to live in isolation for health issues and I think we could probably learn a lot from how they've managed that um, you know for many people this has been a reality you know if you're a, um, if you've gotten a, a a transplant before. If you have a compromised immune system, there might be periods of time that they've had to live in isolation too. So we can learn from them, but a lot of this is not bypassable. It's something that you have to be able to sit with.
3: So you're saying kind of just be aware of the fact that it's, that feeling of loneliness is just a byproduct of reality. And that's kind of just how we deal with it. Um, There, We had another question that I feel like is interesting because maybe a lot of people are afraid to bring this up. But somebody asked, why do I feel so unfaced and calm during this when everyone is freaking out?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. There could be a lot of reasons. Um, one could be maybe you are really fantastic at managing your anxiety. And you are doing an excellent job of noticing your thoughts and managing the physical sensations. Maybe you um, yourself haven't been personally impacted. So, you know, I don't know who this person is. They could be living in a part of the country that isn't as impacted as New York or something like that. Um, The other could be that it could be a trauma response. Um, It could be that you're used to chaos. And so when I see a hand raising when, um, yeah. So when you're used to chaos, I'm sure, um, Sammy, you can attest to this since she said, that's you. Sometimes chaos feels manageable, um, because you're, you're trained to deal with it from a young age.
4: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so I, I do feel like a little bit more in sync with the mood than like I might in a different situation, um, but I know that when it's not like this, I've felt like in my life so down before, like unable to like just snap out of it. Um, and I imagine that if I've felt that at other times, other people are feeling that now. So I was gonna ask like whether you're in isolation or not. You could be feeling this when you are living with someone or roommates or or whomever, um, what would you say to someone who is just like, I feel so unbelievably down right now and I don't know what to do to feel better?
1: Yeah. And I like that you pointed out that people could still be feeling these things even with other people around them because it doesn't necessarily mean you're feeling safe with the people you live with or even connected to them. What we do know is that our connections with other people are what help us to feel, you know, happiest, right? There's been a decades long happiness experiment that showed that social connections are really what make people um, resilient to, to different things. So we, again, we have this really challenging time where you're having to come up with creative ways to be connected. So if you're feeling really down, one thing that I think is an important goal is getting connected. You know, and and reminding yourself that it's not going to feel as good as it would feel if you were face to face, going out to dinner with them, hugging them, hanging out on the couch, Um, but really being able to get connected with people that are important to you. That makes us feel safe. The other thing that's really important is real self care, right? So thinking of how to be a good parent to yourself right now. If you're feeling really down, what can you do to be a good parent to you. So what would a good parent say to you if you're you know, laying in bed and you feel like you just can't get up? They would probably say, hey, like, you don't have to do a ton today. You don't have to be productive, but get up and brush your teeth and then you can get back in bed. Or why don't you just put your feet on the floor for a second and pick up a book and read the first page. Um, here, let me give you some soup. Eat some soup so that you, you know, are not starving. So just these little things that are not, you're not trying to coerce yourself into being productive or being super happy or any of those things, but you're just saying things that you would imagine a parent would say to you and just making yourself do the tiniest, tiniest thing to feel okay.
2: It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Small's. Small's cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens, and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages, and you scoop it, and you just feel like... You're a chef for your baby kitties and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh, protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk.
4: What are your thoughts on this whole um, like sort of messaging campaign that we see on Instagram that's like, keep a routine, meditate, work out, like cook a recipe. Like I do think those tips are helpful, but also on some level it's like, yeah, no shit. I know I need to do those things. Um, What do you think about like, do you think that that creates, do you think that that's really helpful or do you think it just creates additional pressure and sort of makes everyone think? Oh no like what are all these other perfect people doing and cooking and and reading and yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that that's where sometimes Instagram is problematic is there's not great duality, right? So it's not like yeah, if you really will be filled up, if you'll fill up your tank by cooking, cook and you might not want to do that or you might not be able to do that. Um, if meditating feels helpful to you, do it because it's helpful to me. And it might not be something that you really have access to right now. So I I think that a lot of the tips, like you said, are great, but we need to remember that they might not be great for us. And instead of internalizing that and saying, what's wrong with me, because I'm not getting up at 7 a.m. and exercising and then... um, redoing my living room and then painting my nails and then baking things and then like doing toddler activities to round out the day. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means that those people took pictures of their favorite parts of the day. But please also remember that they also didn't get dressed until 3 PM. And if they're like me, there's a pile of flour on the floor because I didn't know what else to play with at this point in the day. And they might be fighting with their partner or they might feel alone. Like there's, you have to remember that there's duality in this situation.
3: I feel like that's, that's, that makes sense. So much sense just to put it in perspective. And last week we also just talked about like doing what serves you and like how mindfulness is actually yeah. super important. Like just from personal, pers- my personal experience, like this morning, like yesterday I felt super like excited to do stuff, right, or over the weekend. But this morning I woke up with like, I just felt it. Like I just have extreme anxiety and I felt Instagram was triggering it. So I was just like, today you are going to just not be on Instagram and that's just going to be your thing. Like it's like sort of just like listening to how what you're doing makes your body feel in that moment. And then just doing that kind of would can kind of be like a, a sort of temporary Day band aid, and then next you, you see how the next morning goes. <laughs>
1: I love that, and like the way you said that is is a really realistic way of offering yourself compassion. You're saying, "I I know I like mindfulness. I know it's helpful to me, and you know what? It just was. I just didn't feel it, and yeah. so I, I couldn't do it. And that's okay. It doesn't mean I'm not operating my life in the right way. I'll do it the next time that it feels accessible to me." And instead of punishing yourself, because we know when you punish yourself, you might do the thing, but it's not actually going to benefit you.
3: For sure. And I feel like a lot of people are also punishing themselves now, like, especially with dieting and all of that, how they're not staying healthy. Now's the time. You could be home. You could be cooking. But like, and there's all that pressure on Instagram, but like the reality is like, I don't want to have to be on a diet right now. That's, in fact, that's hurting me, if anything. So- I feel like just saying that it's okay. Look, your message of just saying it's okay to not is very comforting. Yeah, good. I'm glad. Um, you brought up something about fighting. So they might be fighting with their um significant other, and I feel like. The, the minute when we all decided to be, when we all not decided, when we all told, were told that we have to, quarant- to be quarantined, I was like, I wonder how many breakups there are going to be. <laughs> so since you're um, a marriage and family therapist, could you talk about like, because we had a lot of questions about couples fighting, about um, what to do in that scenario?
1: Yeah. So first of all, again, this is my message all the way through. It makes sense. So anytime, anybody that's listening, anytime something that comes up for you and you're saying, why is this happening? Just say, it makes sense. The world is in chaos right now. My life is in chaos. How could something not be kind of weird in this moment or difficult? So it makes sense that couples are fighting. Um, Couples are having to manage major stressors and transitions. And research shows that, um, research done by the Gottman Institute of thousands of couples over decades shows that one of the most difficult things for couples to manage is outside stress. So there are going to be a lot of arguments. There are unfortunately going to be breakups. My biggest concern is that there's also going to be an increase in domestic abuse um, because of the situation. Um, so stress, if it's not managed well within the relationship, So if each individual isn't managing their own stress and then they aren't supporting each other in stress, it often results in really hard to manage conflict. And so if you're noticing that you and your partner are fighting a lot or you're having kind of strange tensions... One thing I would suggest is step back and ask, how are we both managing stress right now? Are we being kind to each other with each other's stress or are we being dismissive? Are we adding to each other's stress or are we being supportive? Am I doing what I need to do to manage my own? Is my partner doing what they need to do to manage their own? Or are we kind of just like stress vomiting all over each other all the time? So that's one suggestion. Really, sit back and think: What's going on with stress right now?
3: So, how do we? Yeah, continue. Sorry. Yeah. No. Did you have a question about that? I was going to ask how how one manages stress, but (laughs) especially now. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, one is what we were just talking about, which is when something is serving you, do it. Make sure that in some, you know, in some ways that you are finding. Ways to maintain some normalcy from before, accepting it's not a normal situation. But if you really, really loved having family dinners before, is there a way to make that work right now? If you really, really loved taking walks before, but you're not doing it because it's too busy outside when you go on a walk, what can you do to get some air? Can you at least like open your window or can you walk and sit on your stoop for a second? You know, really finding ways individually to to get things that fill you up. The other piece of managing stress has to do with the other person. So we can really support the people we love in managing their stress um, by really allowing them. I often describe it as when people are stressed, they're like a balloon that's about to pop that has way too much air in it. And most of the time when we're talking to someone that's stressed, we blow more air into the balloon. We tell them advice, we say what they should do, we tell them they're silly, we side with their enemy in that moment, we say, oh, your boss has a point, I mean, I I do see where he's coming from, and the balloon explodes, So, and that explodes by the other person just either shutting down or leaving the conversation, Um, but what we can do is we can deflate the balloon, and we can deflate the balloon by asking really curious questions. It's almost like you're pulling all of that air out. So allowing the other person to have their stress and allowing them to be in that space and asking them questions that help them to discuss it rather than exploding their balloon.
3: What would be like a question?
1: Yeah. So some really helpful questions are things like, what's the most upsetting part for you? Or... Um, you know, someone's talking about how worried they are about losing their job, saying, tell me what you're thinking will happen if you lose your job, or, wow, that sounds really hard. Like, how are you feeling about all of that? What's your biggest fear? So really just allowing them to go there. A lot of times we don't want people to go there. We try to protect them from their pain. Often, though, allowing people to talk about their pain actually is one of the most protective factors.
4: What do you, how do you respond to someone's pain? Like once they, once you ask that question and they say it, or if they don't say it, what, Mm -hmm. what do you say next?
1: Yeah. So sometimes that's hard. You feel at a loss for words, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially if it's something that you relate to or you really don't know the solution, And I always say the biggest thing we can work on in our relationships is transparency. And if you don't know what to say, it's okay to say that. You don't have to be super creative and come up with some perfect response. Likely any response you've come up with, they've already thought anyway. You're not remaking the wheel for them. So saying something like, yeah, that would scare me too. Or this is such a shitty time. Or I wish I knew what to say. I don't, but I'm here for you. Um, so again, you really can withhold problem-solving or being very articulate, and you can just be real and, and really allow yourself to feel with them.
4: Okay. What about um, in terms of, like, the long-term effects of this? Um, we might have... Breakups, obviously, but what about just like the long term impact on people's mental health? Do you think this will be traumatic for people? Um, and then how do we recover that?
1: Yeah, you know, collectively, we're going through a traumatic experience um, in, for really anyone that's being impacted by this in any way because there's a massive stress that's too much too fast right? And that's kind of what trauma is. It's something that happens too much, too fast. And it makes us feel out of control. It makes us feel scared. And for many people, afraid for their lives or the lives of people that they love. So that's really the definition of of trauma. And what we need to do now, which I think is super important, is to really consider how do we build in supports for ourselves and other people in ways that create safety because we're not able to prevent the trauma. The trauma is happening. But it doesn't mean that we can't do things that help the self and other people feel safe as possible right now. And it doesn't mean that we um, can't kind of mitigate the the long term outcomes that could be things like PTSD or more chronic depression. Um, so we want to learn. We want to figure out like we're actually in this moment of um, history where we can actually talk about the trauma that's happening while it's happening in a big way. And if we can talk about it, and we can talk about ways that we can be supportive to each other, if we can provide frontline supports like therapy or um, you know even just friendship i my my sister's office is doing a wonderful job they're having like morning coffees where they just talk about what's kind of freaking them out and her workplace so i think our workplaces can do a great job of mitigating trauma too and again it's reducing the stress it's letting people know that they're safe that they have a village and it's finding them supports where they need them you know essentially getting them therapy or, or social support.
3: I mean, just even personally, I worry about the long-term effects of like, yeah, I'm talking about the trauma, but like every day I have like severe chest pain (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I like, I check my pulse and my pulse is kind of low. Like I'm not, my heart isn't racing, but it's just, it's just this intense anxiety that I can't, like I'm not thinking about anything. It's just kind of there in the background. And I worry about it's remaining you know just like and maybe it's like a fear that's constantly lingering um but that's kind of like what i'm afraid about like the physical like a- effects or like the physical after effects mm-hmm. that could linger on yeah so worried that this could impact your actual heart or no just i'm just worried that i'm constantly going to be like stuck like this i don't know that like now we had this thing happen and now we like afraid that it's going to come back because there's so much uncertainty about around that and just like feeling just so tense all the time because mm-hmm. like you don't know what's going to happen. Like I don't, I don't know how to get back to where I was before.
4: Right. Mm-hmm. Like how am I ever going to ride on a subway without feeling panicked? It's like, like I don't like right now it's feels safe because like I don't have to go outside that much and I don't, you know there's no i'm not I don't have to like grapple with a social situation or like do i want to drink out of this glass or touch anything like i'm more mm-hmm. worried about like that like when i'm well, expected to ever- act like mm-hmm. things are fine and i'm not personally fine
1: mhm yeah so kind of these questions of will life ever be the same for me internally or even externally will i ever be able to ride the subway again and actually enjoy it? Will I ever feel safe out in a restaurant again? Like those types of thoughts, right? And am I going to be able to access my life the way I did before and and truly be present and truly feel
0: okay with it? This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com newly with two U's with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes.
4: Well, just to add like another piece. Um, mm-hmm. prior to this happening, I was really, really anxious about something like this happening. Um, Like Aileen can attest, I'm always like, wait, like I always, I'm like, there will be a huge cyber attack or a recession or there will be something. The shoe Um, will drop, yeah. The shoe will drop, and I was particularly worried because my I had to reschedule my wedding, and the whole year I was like, oh, there's going to be something that happens with my wedding, and it's going to prevent it from happening, and that came true. So like, I'm sort of worried about even though I'm like chaos is familiar to me and the crisis is okay because I'm in my house and I feel like I have control. I'm worried about like that confirmation and what kind of number that will do on me for the future. What do you do if this kind of did that for you?
1: Oh, that's so hard. And there's so many people that have had those huge fears. Like I know that the bottom's just going to fall out at some point. And for years they've been told to think positively and, not to worry and that they're having extreme thinking and I think part of it and this is gonna sound so annoying because I've said it like 15 times today is saying yeah I predicted that the bottom was gonna fall out and it flip and fell out and this sucks and now what am I gonna do moving forward when I have a prediction am I going to always think oh I'm right because I was right this time and is it going to be hard to move past my anxiety in the future which I think is a big fear for a lot of people. Does that feel like what's going on for you?
4: Yeah, it's not so much like, oh, I know all my predictions will be right because I know that they're not. It's more like um, that the predictions won't go away.
1: Yeah, so now you're going to have even more of them.
4: Or the same amount. There were enough before yeah. to be a problem. So but
1: it'll be hard to talk, yeah. to talk yourself through them. And I think some of that is – this is giving you an opportunity to explore your own relationship with control and letting things go, not just you, Sammy, but just anybody who's listening is, you know, when people tend to have a lot of predictions and and feel like I know this is going to happen. I know something, how can I prevent the worst thing from happening? I'm going to have this horrible outcome. Um, A lot of times it is because there's so much fear of giving up control and that, Feeling like you can't prevent something feels super, super scary. And can you find ways to sit with that fear of not having control? And um, like Aileen was saying, being able to utilize mindfulness in those moments, which is incredibly important for that. And when you do have predictions in the future, being able to say to yourself, you know what, it is really scary for me to think that my wedding could be canceled. It is really scary for me to think I don't have control over the weather or health or government or whatever it is. But what I do have control over is X, Y, Z and continually coming back to that. What do you genuinely have control over? And I want to validate that, Sammy, you're right. Like you are going to have thoughts of how do I let these, these fears go? It was confirmed. It was confirmed one time. And I think, validating that next time you have one. You know what? This makes sense. I I had this happen to me before. It makes sense that I believe it could happen again. And what do I, what am I trying to prevent or control here? And how much of it do I really have control over?
4: Thank you. Okay. I will work on it. Although I'm sure there will be lots of predictions in the future.
3: Many <laughs> for all of us. <laughs> Um yeah I'm I'm just wait yeah I think more so your question should be like how do I not panic the next time that this happens cuz I I can I know her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um should we do a listener email? Yes. Okay. Um all right. Sammy and Eileen, I recently finished binging the podcast and love it so much. I'm an oncology nurse, which is cancer, and have been really struggling with anxiety during this pandemic, as we all have. But I'm also struggling with the feelings of jealousy and resentment towards my friends and family members that are having different experiences than I am. Sometimes I even feel angry after speaking to them or seeing them post on social media. I'm extremely introverted and would honestly thrive in quarantine. I would not have a problem with being forced to stay home and watch TV. I hate seeing people complain clean and being bored because they are so lucky they get to be bored. I'm not just resentful of their boredom and ability to stay home but resentful when they express their anxiety or fears about things that seem insignificant compared to mine. For example, I work with patients with no immune system. If I were to unknowingly spread COVID-19, it would almost certainly kill a patient with zero white blood cells. The stakes are so much higher than spreading it to a healthy person. I have a hard time relating to someone whose biggest problem is whether or not they can still throw a birthday party. I've almost opened up to my mom or a friend about these extremely negative thoughts I'm having towards people I care about, but feel ashamed and guilty about it when I try to put it into words. Any insight about how I can alleviate some of these negative thoughts so I don't continue to emotionally isolate myself from my loved ones? From Nurse Bitch.
1: Well, the way that that nurse is feeling, I think, is the way that many medical professionals are feeling is just, you know, I am under so much stress right now and I can't. Hear about anybody else's stress right now. I don't have the space for it. So, a part of that is give yourself some space from other people's stress. You know, if there are certain people that you look at their um, social media or you talk to them and they're talking about their birthday party loss or they're talking about how bored they are and you know that it's upsetting every single time it is okay for you to distance right now. You're not going to be isolating yourself permanently from that person. And I think you can also, if they're a safe person, let them know, you know, I'm going through something that's incredibly difficult. I'm going through something where I just, I, I personally don't have the space and the capacity um, to really take on other stress. So when we talk, it would be really helpful if we did X, Y, and Z. The the people that need to talk about their birthday party loss and how bored they are and all of those things, they have a valid situation going on too, right? They have their own loss, but it's also very real that you don't have to take it on and you don't have to empathize with it right now because you're doing a lot of work right now emotionally and physically. So taking space from those people, I think limiting the intake of what we were talking about earlier, which is all of these like curated social media things um, where you're seeing people at home um, reworking their entire lives and being creative and having fun and all of this stuff. And you're working in the front lines in an incredibly scary and tragic situation. So maybe not looking at those things and backing away from all of that. Um, If you have somebody specifically that triggers you, like let's say a parent. So this is something I've heard a lot from medical professionals is that they have people in their lives that still aren't taking it seriously. So they'll call their parent and their parent will be like out at the grocery, not the grocery store, because that's okay. Their parent will be like grabbing a Starbucks or something like that. And they're like, wait, why are you out grabbing a Starbucks? We have a serious situation going on. And their parent is saying, oh, it's not that serious. You know, we shouldn't be so worried. So if you have people like that, you're not going to convince them. If, if nothing has convinced them to this point, they need con- they're going to have to come to convincing on their own. So also you can take yourself out of that position of having to be the one that really gets everybody to take it seriously. Um, and really, again, distance yourself from those types of people. For yourself right now, you're going to need to be figuring out what are the best things that fill you up that are realistic. So you're going to be working, I'm guessing, 12 hour shifts at least. Um, what is it like at the end of the day? Are there some rituals that feel good to you? Do you go home and can you just turn off your phone and get in the bath? Or does a ritual of talking to friends feel good when you get home? Can you call a friend that is willing to hear you? Like, what do you have the capacity to do? And I encourage you to set boundaries around the things you don't.
4: That's very helpful.
3: Yeah. I think also she felt feels like ashamed
1: about yeah, like so having cool.
3: her feelings. And I feel like, and she's worried about reaching out to her friends cause they might judge her. I feel like if she just reframed what just instead of like comparing, she could just say like, I just feel really stressed and I'm, I'm, I'm jealous that you guys get to stay inside rather than like, Oh, you guys suck. Cause you got, you know, I feel like it's, it's just and- a hard My, my husband's an MP and like, he, I don't know how he's handling it, honestly. <laughs> um, but it's it's so scary.
1: It's really scary. My, my best friend is a social worker and in an oncology unit, and so you know she has to go into these oncology units still and really make sure she's taking great preventative measures. And it's so stressful for the people that are really working on the front line. And I I could hear that shame in the email. Um, And I think that, again, it's a normal human response to feel frustrated when your tank is, you know, you can't, you can't fit anything else in you right now. You cannot be a container for other people's stress and grief and all of that. So, of course, you're going to start to feel resentful, but we want to avoid resentment in the long term. And exactly, Aileen, what you said, being able to express what you need or how you're feeling is how you're going to prevent that resentment. I think your friends, if they're really good friends, would be completely understanding that you're not shaming them for being sad about their you know, two-year-old's birthday party being canceled. That is actually sad. Um, and you're also saying, I really have so much sad going on right now, and I have so much stress. For me, it would be really helpful if we talked about something else.
4: We um, do a non-scale win to close it out. Yeah. We have yeah. One from an audience member. Okay. Um, she says, Hi, Sammy and Aileen. My non-scale Corona win is that I rented a spin bike from my favorite spin studio. It's a small local business and I love their classes. I feel good that I can support a local business and still get to do my favorite workout. Also, I fucking hate working out at home and this will make it so much easier for me. Plus, it's super cool. I finally get to choose the playlist. It's a good win. It's a good win. Yeah, so fun. What about you guys? Do you have any wins?
3: Um, I'll go. Um, so I mean, this weekend I did something. While yes, it was productive. I didn't do it just to be productive. So I completely reorganized my whole kitchen, <laughs> but not because I was like I'm restless. It was because. Um, I noticed that I was in like this extreme funk. Like I didn't want to cook anything. I, I I just like felt gr- like I just, and I like cooking, but I was like, what's the real, and I kept complaining, literally Sammy. I was like, I need a house. I need more surface area. I need, I just I was creating excuses for myself. And so I was like, why don't, and also my husband was like, we can't get through all of Ozark in one day. So you're going to have to find a way to, <laughs> um, <laughs> to do something. So I was like, okay. So I was like, maybe I'll just, reorganize, get, make the kitchen that serves me for this time. So I, I did it and I'm literally so proud of myself. I cooked delicious meals this week and it, it made me happy. I, I noticed that I was in a better mood this week. So that is my win. That's I think you've inspired me. I'm so annoyed yeah. with
1: my kitchen right now. Oh right? my God, it's driving me up a wall and I, I'm complaining the same way. I'm like, my kitchen's not big enough. Yeah. No, it's just that I'm a hot mess, and I'm. I think
3: it would be fun to organize it. <laughs> Same. It was just a hot mess. Like nothing was where it really should have been. I cluttered it over the last year and a half that I've lived here. So I was like, "This is it. This is the end." <laughs> and it's been great. I made like the most delicious meal the other day. I put it on Instagram. Sorry. That's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your win?
1: So last week was so challenging. Um, my husband and I, we both obviously are working from home and we have a toddler and who needs to be cared for clearly. And I want to, but last week was, it was terrible. I mean, I was in tears every day. I was like, I don't, I truly genuinely do not know how I'm going to do this. I'm going to have to close my businesses. I'm going to have to stop doing therapy and like just never do anything again other than take care of my, my baby. Um, But then on the weekend, I was like, I'm going to get it together. I'm creating a routine for us. And um, I reached out. My friend told me about an art school right now that is creating like take home bags to that are filled with the coolest art projects, like build a tower out of random objects, create um, a castle, like all of the materials you would need. I ordered seven of them. I went and picked them up. And I cleared my morning schedule and each day we've been having really fun time. Like it's been so fun. We do an art project together. We cook something together, we hang out and then he takes a nap and whoo, I survived last week. And this week has been such a win.
4: That's amazing.
3: That's, That's amazing. I can't even imagine. I'm I give super props to every mom out there. Like one kid, two kids, three, three kids. Like I just I can't
1: even imagine having more than one. It'd be so hard. At different, like at different, like
3: learning stages. Yeah. We know two people who are pregnant with also kids at home, so it's just serious. Props to you. That's incredible. Thanks.
1: It was it was so fun too, and it was kind of like getting in touch with my inner child, right? I got to. I was making the castle with the unicorns and all of that <laughs> stuff. It was fun. It's been fun.
3: Yeah, that's great. Sabi, what's your win?
4: My win is that I have been consistently working out, um, like not even for calorie purposes, um, just because I feel like so much more like alive and awake in the morning when I work out before I start doing everything. And right now I'm so tired. I think it's because I did not work out this morning. So my win has been that I've recognized what an amazing el- um, addition to my routine that is for reasons other than weight. <laughs> That's awesome. Just moving your body. It's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. It like snaps me into like reality. Just
3: having, just, a, just being a little sweaty feels good. Just like, it it's kind of like a, a shedding.
4: Like Yeah, it does. Reptiles, is that interesting? I've been says? doing, <laughs> yeah, I've been doing Obey. Oh, obey. Obey.
3: Um, well, thank you so much for joining us, Liz. Um, good luck this week <laughs> with your routine. Is it today already? Oh, it's it's already. Well, by the time everybody hears, it's already Sunday. So good luck next week. Thank um, you. Thank you. <laughs> and um, yeah, if anybody wants to reach out, how can they contact you?
1: You can find me. On Instagram at Liz Listens. Um, I have a therapy practice that serves people in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and California. So you can find us on a therapy.com. And I also have a membership program called Love Lessons, where I help people have healthier relationships with themselves and other people too. Um, and so you can find information about that on Insta. It's probably the easiest way. Um, again, at Liz Listens
3: that's great well thank you so much for joining us and if anybody's has struggling and listening out there and wants to reach out please do and sammy ready
4: we're always with you through thick and thin Diet Starts Tomorrow is hosted by Aileen Cooperman And Sammy Fishpine Our editor is Sean Kilby Our podcast producers are Mike Coscarelli, Sean Kilby, and Carly Rice And artwork is by Brittany Levine Be sure to
3: follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram And email your questions and non-scale wins to DST at Betches.com Betches